Welcome to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, episode 123, with Sarah Kornack and Beth Ann Schwamberger. Today on the show, we're talking with Carrie Olson. She's an entrepreneur who makes her living doing voice over acting work. I think you're going to find her profession and this interview very interesting and fun. So let's get started. You're listening to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, practical business advice for startup moms. Today on the podcast, we are pleased to welcome Carrie Olson. Carrie is an entrepreneur who does voiceover work for various companies. How cool is that job? As she lives in Kansas City, Missouri with her husband, Derek, and daughter, Amelie. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Carrie, could you begin by telling us a little bit more about yourself, your family, and how you first got interested in doing voiceover work? Sure. So I am from Oklahoma, and after I finished school, I moved to Kansas City and got a job working in HR. I actually moved in right next door to a guy named Derek Olson, and we ended up uh, dating and getting married about a year and a half after we met. So that was a fun way to meet. And as I was working in HR, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do long term, but I was interested in a lot of different things. And one of the things that we ended up taking on as a project was introducing the concept of online training to our company. And I was the most tech savvy person in the department. So I got to work on building those online courses and ended up narrating the one that we sent out to the, the company. And so that was my first introduction to voiceover work, although I didn't even really know what I was doing. I was kind of just thrown into it and enjoyed it. And I liked that process so much that I started looking for a different job where I could do online training full time. And so I did that and worked in e-learning for three more years doing only online training, so developing courses, and ended up narrating some of my own things there as well. So that was kind of my background in voiceover work, but still didn't really know that it was an industry in and of itself. Until one day, I was commuting to work, and this was after I had my daughter. She was just three months old or so, and I'd just gone back to work after maternity leave and was really looking for a job that I could do from home so that I could spend more time with her, but didn't really know where to look. And just by chance, was listening to a brand new podcast on my way to work, and it happened to be an interview of someone interviewing a voice actor. And so I I was listening, just sort of half listening at first until it kind of clicked that this was something that maybe I could do. I had actually been podcasting for years and didn't know that just by using my microphone, there was a whole other business that I could go into. So at the end of the interview, the, the woman, her name is Allison Steele, said that she offers classes and lessons for voiceover. So I called her up and ended up buying a training session from her and ended up hiring her to be my voiceover coach. And within three weeks of getting lessons from her, started booking voiceover work. And it has just been amazing ever since. My business hasn't really slowed down. And within four months, I was able to quit my corporate job and do voiceover work from home full time. That's amazing. I love your story. And after checking out your website and some of your work, it's incredible. I mean, you've, your voice has been on these amazing commercials. And it's just, I just was listening and just so impressed. Thank you. Um, I know you started off by hiring a coach to help you. Do you recommend that for others who want to get started doing voiceover work? 
Absolutely. I think that it's important. And I think it's, it is interesting because I've had friends and, and family say to me, well, why would you hire a coach to teach you how to talk? We all know how to talk. We've been doing that, you know, since we were babies. But it really is a different skill set. And there are different you know, intricacies to the voiceover world that I think it's really helpful to have a coach to do, or at least to take some you know, workshops or online classes, do something to learn more about the industry if you're really going to try to make a go of making a career in voiceover. So after you hired your coach and she started working with you and teaching you, and you said it wasn't too long before you got your first gig, but how did you get that first gig? What, what did you have to do to get your name out there or to find somebody to hire you? Yeah, so my very first jobs I did solely through auditioning for jobs, and I did that through online casting sites. My thought was that I wanted to just get experience, and I thought the easiest way to do that would be to join a site that would allow me to pay a membership fee to join, and you basically put in an online profile and say what sort of voices you can do or what age range you can do, and then you get auditions that match your voice profile sent to your email inbox. And so I joined one of those sites thinking I would do it just to get practice. I would get these emails and I would audition just to kind of figure out how the voiceover world works. But I started getting likes on those auditions almost immediately. So that means that the clients were shortlisting me for these jobs. And so I thought, man, I might actually get work here early, you know, sooner than I imagined. And that's exactly what happened. I got my first job through one of those online casting sites. And after I started booking work regularly on those sites, I started pushing out more and expanding and reaching out locally and expanding my profiles online more so that more people could find me. And so now I'm getting work from all over. I don't do a whole lot of the online casting anymore. I do, you know, people find me through my site. They find me through other places that I'm online, networking, referrals, reaching out. And it's just grown like that sort of organically. That is really neat. Do you mind sharing a few of maybe the websites where initially you can go and do a membership fee and submit auditions and then maybe sharing, I know now it's a bit more organic, but if there are other sites where it's a great idea for a voiceover artist to be submitting their profile? Sure. So the biggest one out there, I think that it's the biggest one, is called Voices.com. And you can sign up for an annual membership fee. I think that it's around $400. Or you can do monthly. It's around $40 a month. And then there's another that the pricing structure is similar called voice123.com. There are tons of others out there as well. Those are the two big ones. And they're slightly different. So I just recommend you you go in and research which ones maybe fit you best. But either way, I would recommend having some sort of training or at least having a home studio set up before investing money in sites like that. I want to get back to the home studio set up in just a minute. Mm -hmm. But before I forget, you were talking about submitting an audition on these sites. So what do you do for an audition? Do they tell you what to say or do you have to come up like with your own something that you read that showcases your voice to its fullest extent? Or how does that part work? Yeah, thank goodness, they usually give me a script. So I don't have to just make something up on the spot. So typically, a client will, you know, if they're a local car company, and they have a commercial they're wanting to produce, they'll take either an excerpt of it or the whole thing sometimes. And they'll include that as part of as the script for your audition. And sometimes they'll have direction on there, which means it'll say, we're looking for something upbeat, really happy, and maybe in the age range of 30 to 40. 
And so they're giving you kind of an idea of the sound they're looking for. And sometimes they'll even give you reference material, like here's a commercial that inspired the one that we're trying to produce or something we want you to sound like. So you'll take that direction, you'll take that script, you record it at home, and you can give them, you know, a couple takes if you want to, if you feel like there are several different ways you could go with that particular script. And then you submit it back to them. And depending on the site or the the process where you're getting these auditions, you'll either upload the audition to the site or sometimes you'll just email it directly directly to the client or if they have something, you know, their own way that they want you to submit it to them, like FTP through their site, you can do it that way too. And then the client will listen to all of the auditions and decide which voice they want to hire. That's really neat. It seems like a pretty straightforward process other than obviously the fact that you have to have great equipment, you have to know what you're doing and have an awesome voice. So, of course, those are all the, the difficult things that go go into that process ahead of time. I did want to touch on the equipment aspect because I know for Sarah and I, we have very basic equipment for podcasting. We don't have a professional studio, but I would guess that to be a voiceover artist, you would need maybe some very specific things. Yeah. So if you want to not be extremely frustrated all the time, then yes, you want a dedicated <laughs> home studio. Because the the one thing that voice actors need and crave and will just do anything for is quiet. And as a voice actor, quiet means something different <laughs> than it does to most people. You know, even in some studios or, you know, studio spaces, where you think you can go record. I know when I was looking for studios outside of my home to go to, I called up some co-working spaces um, just to see if they had dedicated studio space. And uh, there were some that would say, oh, yeah, we have, we have this studio you know, recording space where a lot of people do you know, podcasts and things like that. And I would go look at the space, and immediately I would hear creaking from upstairs, and I would hear the hum of the air conditioner. And you know, the, when the refrigerator kicks on, it would make a little noise. And, you know, your, your microphone picks up those things, or at least, you know, a good voiceover microphone would. So it is necessary to have a good, dedicated, truly quiet recording space that's, that's dependable. And you can, it's actually pretty easy to set up in your home if you, and for relatively inexpensive, a lot of voice actors, professional voice actors even, set up in their closets and they hang blankets or hang foam, acoustic foam or other things to try and soundproof and sound deaden their space and they can record that way. I personally right now am renting space at a co-working space in Kansas City, and they actually have a professional recording studio with ISO booths and things like that. So that's where I do most of my recording. But in a pinch, I can set something up in my home real quick and try to get the sound as quiet as possible so that I can do an audition if I need to. The closet thing is cracking me up at the end too because – we actually wrote an ebook and we wanted an audio version out. And so we read our own ebook and we recorded it in our closets. Awesome. <laughs> Whatever works. Right. Yes. And, and we surrounded ourselves with a bunch of pillows because perfect. we didn't have the foam. But, yeah. yeah. But the oh, foam I bet it like hilarious. Yeah. yeah. We took a couple of pictures. We should have thought about the foam, though. Like, I'm sure we could have bought that on Amazon, but mm -hmm. we didn't think about that. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm curious, though. So you're recording your own voiceover stuff to, to send to people. Do you have to also edit it before you submit? Like, if you're – I guess this is for once you have a job, like you're working on an actual paid thing. 
do you have to do the editing or does the company that hired you do the sound editing? Most of the work that I do now, I do my own editing, uh, which just means I'm removing breaths. I'm taking out mouth noises and clicks and all kinds of weird things that sometimes come out of your mouth that you don't realize until you're listening back to it. But I do most of that on my own unless it's a directed session, which means that the client is actually there with me live, whether it's in person or over Skype, like what we're doing right now. And they're listening to me record. And then they, you know, they'll direct me and say, well, try one a little bit faster. Try one a little bit, you know, your tone, pick it up a little bit. So if they're directing me, a lot of times they'll just want me to send the raw files to them and they'll do the editing and any, you know, adding in any music or anything that they need. But most of the work that I do is, you know, they'll send me a script and when I send it back to them, they want it broadcast ready. So I will do all my own editing and give them, you know, maybe several takes, but it should be ready to go so they can plug it right into their commercial or whatever it is that they need. Are you a self-taught editor or did you take a certain class or get trained by somebody on the editing aspect of things? A little of everything. My husband and I have been podcasting for years and so we have experience there. And then my husband is also a professional producer. Um, he produced for a, a podcasting network that is no longer around, but he did that regularly for a couple of years. And so I learned a lot from him. And then I actually take training courses all the time for different software and things like that that I use. Very cool. And one more question in terms of equipment. Did you invest in a really fancy, really expensive microphone? And I know now you're in the studio. So are you using their microphone and all of their sound equipment or do you still bring in your own? That's a really good question. We were podcasting, like I said, before I got started doing voiceover. And I, the microphones that my husband bought for us when we started podcasting, because he's he was in a band before, he just loves all things sound, so he knew good microphones to buy. And without even knowing that I would be doing voiceover work later, he got microphones that were actually studio quality. So I, when I got into voiceover, I just used the same microphones that we were using for podcasting. And that was the Perception... AKG Perception 120 microphones. So that's what I started off using. I've done national radio commercials using that microphone. So it's good enough. I have since upgraded and I've used different microphones. And the ones that I'm using now, even in the studio, are ones that I've brought from home. So I still use my own equipment most of the time. It is nice to be in the studio because I can test out different mics. And I, I've used some of their microphones for some of my work. But for the most part, I still use my own things. Are there a lot of, I've never heard of, well, maybe I have heard of this, but I wouldn't have any idea where to find one. Are there a lot of studios, like what you're talking about, recording studios throughout the country, and how do you find a studio to use? To be honest, I don't think that there are a whole lot of situations like what I'm doing right now. Co-working spaces are growing, but for the most part, it's for people who do things like graphic design or people who can come in and, you know, just want a desk and, and are tired of working from home. So that's the majority of the people who work in the space that I'm in. But it, I just really lucked out that there's a place close to my house that had that co-working aspect, but also has this awesome professional recording studio. And so I don't think that that part is too common. There are plenty of recording studios, but not many of them will offer rentable space like what, what I'm doing. So I pay $250 a month to have access to 
24-hour access, by the way, to the studio and to the co-working space. So when I'm not recording, I can still go and use sort of the, the common office area to do my invoicing and marketing and other parts of my business. So I really don't know how common they are. I would imagine not very, but hopefully they're growing and definitely do research in your, you know, your city if there's something, if you're interested in finding a situation like this. So Carrie, I'm really curious to hear more about directed commercials and things that you've done where the person is there or they're on Skype and they're telling you what to do. That seems like it could be very stressful, but I'd love to hear your take on that experience. Sure. So I actually really love those sessions because it's it's less work for me because most of the time I don't have to edit. So And also, I don't have to wonder if I'm doing it right. Really, anytime that I'm directing myself, I'll send in my work and then it's just kind of like, well, I hope that's what they had in their head. I hope that I hit the spot with what they were going for. Whereas in a directed session, they'll just tell me, you know, you need to slow down a little bit. You need to be way more upbeat on that. And then I can do what they what they ask. But I think the biggest part of that and, and one of the reasons why it isn't stressful for me is because my, my coach actually taught me when you go in and you're doing a session like that, you have to go in with the attitude of I'm here to solve their problem. You know, the client is there and they're not there to to hate me or to put me down. They have a need and I'm there to meet it. So um, a lot of it is just positive self-talk and, and knowing that they hired me for the job for a reason. So I go in with that mindset and then when they give me feedback, I'm able to just adjust what I'm doing to try and meet what they want as opposed to feeling like, oh, they didn't like what I did or, oh, I'm not doing well. And sometimes those sessions can take a while because it's hard to nail down the exact sound that not only that I want to give, but sometimes they don't even know what they're looking for until they hear it. So you have to be flexible and and have a wide range of things that you can offer so that you can offer them a bunch of different options. And then when they hear the thing they like, you can go with that. So, you know, I guess they, they can be stressful. I have enjoyed them so far, but I've heard horror stories and, you know, just hours and hours of doing take after take after take oh, no. until... <laughs> until <they're, laughs> until you nail it, but you know I and I've you know I've done fifty or so takes in a session, but mm-hmm. you know you just keep positive and and know that again you're just trying to meet a need and you can't really take anything personally. I have to feel confident that I can do the job, and it's just a matter of being flexible enough to find the sound that the client is looking for, and then once you find it, you're good. Related to finding the sound earlier, you mentioned making a voice sound like a certain age. That sounds impossible to make. <laughs> I mean, how can you make your voice sound other than the age that you are? I, I mean, this may be too complicated to really get into the specifics, but like how much can you change the the age that your voice sounds? Oh, you can do a lot. There are, I mean, there are adults who make a living doing child voices, you know, down to, yeah, I mean, seriously, and they make really good money. If you're an adult with a really high pitched voice, a lot of times that's seen as a negative thing, you know, like, cause you sound young and you answer the phone and, and the person on the other end says, is your mom there? And you say, oh, I am the mom, this again. <laughs> but if that's you, I mean, there are, there are people who make a living off of their crazy high voices. So, you know, I don't typically do kids a lot, but I I can do teenagers. You know, I can get my voice up really high and talk fast and and I've you know, I have a I have a teen demo on my website if you really want to hear it. And 
I've had people ask me, now, is that, you know, did you take that and do some editing afterwards and speed it up? And I said, no, that's, that's just me talking really high and really fast. You know, you can do a lot. And, and as far as going older, for me, it's almost more of a mindset. So you, you think older and it changes the way that you talk and the way that you enunciate. So maybe my tone gets a little lower, but more than anything, it's kind of an attitude because I think that the way that my voice sounds, I can go younger and I can go older just depending on sort of how I'm shaping my words. So it's just paying attention to those little nuances and you can hit, you know, I've done teen and I've done things where they were looking for a 50 year old. So I think it just comes with practice. It comes with knowing your own voice, listening to other things out there, and then just getting into that mindset. That's amazing that you can do that. Bethany, maybe you and I missed our calling with the, our high-pitched voices. <laughs> I was hey, it's not too late. Oh, I could totally. Because we both get what you were just saying, Carrie. People have done that to both of us where they've said, can you put, is your mom there? Will you right. put your mom All the phone? time. And yeah. I already use like way too much. And <laughs> oh, you're halfway half there. Fast, so. <laughs> so, Carrie, I'm curious about when you do the directed sessions or maybe even just an average session that's on your own, how long do those typically take? It really varies. There, there's a certain client that I do some e-learning stuff for, and sometimes I go into the studio and they just have a page and a half for me. So it takes eight minutes and then I'm done. You know, I go into the studio and I'm just cold reading it. They just give me the script. I've never seen it before. Go through and read it. Maybe there are a few lines where they say, go over that again. But for the most part, just read it and then I, I can go home. Other times they're longer. And, you know, sometimes the majority of those I'm doing from my home studio or my studio that I work out of so they're not directed. And those can be, you know, sometimes those projects can take days for longer e-learning stuff. For commercial stuff, it, it varies, and it depends on how many spots I'm doing at a time. So I've done as many as probably eight commercials in one session, and it depends on how similar they are because sometimes they're the same copy, but the tag is different because it's for a different city. So it depends on that, if you're rereading the whole thing over again or if you're just changing the tags at the bottom. So it really just varies on, you know, it depends on what the spot is or what the, you know, if it's e-learning or if it's, you know, a product video, it, it really can be all over the place. And related to that, and you don't have to share if you don't want to, but I'm curious about the payment for voiceover work. So do you get paid by the hour, by the minute? Do you get paid? Is it just that, you know, when you complete a given project, it's X amount of lump payment? How does that generally work? So there's a there's there's a union scale. I'm not a union voice actor, but typically that's the standard rating scale for voice actors. So it depends on what the spot is and how it's going to be played, whether it's like what the medium is, TV, radio, internet, and then what the reach is. So is it a local, is it national, you know, is it only going to play in five states? And how it's broadcast. So is it cable TV? Is it, you know, local radio, that kind of thing. So all of those factors play into the payment. And then of course, the type of voiceover it is too. you know, TV and radio ads are different from e-learning. So e-learning, a lot of times you'll get paid by, I've had ones where it's per finished minute. 
So if it's, you know, 20 minutes of work, I have a scale for that. And it, it just, it really varies. If you look at the broadcast rates, I think that for a session for, a, you know, a 30 second national spot, it's somewhere around four or $500, something like that per spot. And that's off the top of my head. So I'm not sure if that's exactly right, but somewhere around there. And then for audiobooks and things like that, most of the time that's per finished hour. And that includes your editing time. So if you have a five hour audiobook, um, the per finished hour rate for those can be anywhere from 150 to $300 per finished hour. So it just really varies. It depends on what you're doing. It depends on where you're, where you're getting the work, if it's a union job or not. And then a lot of clients kind of have their own scale. They just have a budget and you, you decide if you're willing to work within that budget. So I would imagine a national TV spot probably pays the highest and then it, it kind of goes down from there. That I think that's right. If you were, if I was looking at the rate sheet right now, I could tell you, I mean, you know, the national definitely pays more than a local radio ad. So for sure <laughs> that, yeah, for a national broadcast commercial, that's going to pay more than, you know, your local TV and local radio. That makes sense. And the first time you ever heard your own voice, maybe on national TV doing a commercial, was that like a really fun experience, really weird, exciting what was that like? It's fun. It's fun hearing my voice. And it's fun hearing, you know, other people call me when they hear me on the radio and stuff. And sometimes it's when the, the spot is actually on, they try and call me real quick so they can, you know, let me hear it through the phone. So <laughs> it's fun. And I think that my podcasting has really helped me to get over that weirdness of hearing my own voice, because I know most people hate the sound of their own voice. They hate hearing it recorded back. And at this point, I'm just used to it. So <laughs> it's it's just fun for me at this point. That's really neat. It does sound like voiceover work is such a viable option for moms who want flexible work and want something that they can potentially do even in their own homes. And, you know, once you've developed that skill, it really sounds like in terms of an hourly rate, it's pretty good. It's a whole lot better than, you know, what a mom could make if she was working a lot of different part-time jobs. Yeah, it's worked out really well for me. And, you know, it's like any other business, though. I know that it sounds, you know, oh, my gosh, you get to talk into a microphone for a living. Let's all do that. But it really is like any other business in that you have to build it up. It does take work. And, you know, as, as you both know, and, and most of your listeners, I, I'm sure, who are entrepreneurs, nothing really comes easily. And especially in a business like this, it is really competitive. And I actually have a, a pretty sad story over uh, last week. I was a finalist for a job that would have been the biggest campaign that I've ever done to date. And my agent called and said, you're, you're the top pick for this and was just super excited but it's it's like anything else in the the acting world. If you're familiar with, you know, hearing stories of people auditioning and then when it comes down to it, only one person can get that role or get that that part. And for for this particular job, they said that the client loved everything I did. I was a top pick that they ended up going with someone else. And, mm -hmm. you know, and that's just kind of the reality of the business. So, you know, I think that it is possible to make a good living in this job. Obviously, I, I'm doing doing well with with it right now. But it does take if you want consistent work, it does take, you know, marketing, it takes getting out there, putting yourself out there, you can't just buy a microphone, get on an online site, and then 
hope that you're going to start making $100,000 a year. If that happens to you, then, you know, go for it. That's awesome. But, you know, it's like any other business that it takes the hard work, you know, the investment in the equipment and in your training and, you know, to be competitive when there are so many people going for the same jobs, you do have to be practicing regularly. So I have people that I work out with regularly. I do improv classes and I network with other voice actors to try and, you know, stay on top of my game so that I can be competitive. So it is a viable, great option for stay-at-home moms, I think, but you do have to have the capacity to to work at it like any other business. That's good that you helped us to see it not through rose-colored glasses all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to paint it that way, and I'd love to just say, yes, everybody go out and do it. But, uh-huh. you know, at the same time, I would you know, I I do want you to have a realistic expectation that it's not just anybody who goes and buys a microphone and sets up in their closet is all of a sudden going to have thousands of dollars getting mailed to them. You know, it it happened pretty quickly for me. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I do work at it and I'm doing it full time now. So I'm able to devote more time to marketing and and getting out there. So, you know, if if it's something that you really do want to invest in and invest in getting lessons and, and really developing your business, then I say absolutely go for it. But yeah, the rose colored glasses thing, just, you know, just be aware that, it, that it, it is a business and it does take work. Absolutely. And so with, with the marketing, I assume that having an agent is a huge part of getting the word out about you and what you can do and finding work. At what point did you add an agent? So I got my first agent pretty early on because there was a specific job that my coach heard about. So this is part of the networking aspect where it's helpful to know other people in the business. My coach heard of a job that she knew that I could do, and it was a specific type of read that not a lot of people specialize in, and I had been working on it. And and that's another interesting thing about the voiceover business is that the majority of the work I do is in my own voice, but you can develop different little you know regional accents or you know, voice ages, as we talked about earlier, that you can kind of specialize in. So anyway, my coach found out about this job and the person who normally did it wasn't available. And so she hooked me up with this particular agent. And that's how I got my first agent. So that was pretty early on. It wasn't until I'd been doing voiceover work for at least six months that I started reaching out and trying to get other agents. And I waited that long because I wanted to have a demo first, a professional demo done so that I could send that out and they could get a sample of what I sound like and what I could do for them. So that was later on. And and really having agents is great, but it isn't as big of a part of my marketing anyway, as you might think. Most of the work I get is actually on my own and agents are great for getting in those big jobs. So that's, that's a great reason to have an agent. But my day-to-day work is things that, you know, people have either come to me and found me or I have reached out and garnered work that way. So I think we've touched a little bit on some of the ways you've marketed yourself, but I was just curious if there were any other tips you had on just some of the best ways that you do make sure people know about you and can find you. Yeah, really, I would say the more exposure you can get, the better. So find as many online sites that you can you know, make a free profile on and make sure that you have your demos uploaded uploaded to them. Make sure you've got a website, you've got your demos on your website and a way to be contacted. I say that the two main things you need on a website is you need for people to be able to hear what you can do and they need to be able to contact you. So if it's just a one page thing and you've got a demo and you've got your phone number or your email address, that's the main thing. 
So, you know, having social media presence as again, as many websites as you can just have a profile on so that you're more findable and more searchable is great. And then having business cards, which I think a lot of people these days, it's kind of, you know, I've heard people say that's kind of outdated. You don't really need a physical business card anymore, but it's great for networking. And if you think of, you know, going to the chamber, the local chamber of commerce or other businesses that are local, if you have a business card that has, you know, I'm a professional voice actor, go here to listen to my demos. Voiceover is absolutely everywhere. And I think that once you become aware of it, you start to realize you hear it everywhere. And it's not just, you know, national TV commercials and radio, like you know, the first thing we think of. But if you walk into your local grocery store, a lot of times there are spots playing over your, you know, the intercom that are specific to that store. So there's a voice actor who got paid to do something for a local grocery store or something for a local car dealership or, you know, Kickstarter videos. I've had people who are trying to do some crowdfunding things on Kickstarter and they want a professional voice actor to narrate their video. So it's, especially with, you know, online, it's just everywhere. So yeah, the the possibilities are almost infinite and really just getting yourself out there as much as possible, whether that's in person or online, the more places you can be, the better. That's really neat. And now that you're talking about voiceover being everywhere, I'm starting to think of all these examples. And one thing I thought that would be really cool is if you went to a conference with a bunch of writers, because they all probably would like to turn their books into audiobooks, but maybe weren't sure how to do it or how to go about it or find the right voice. And so if you were there saying, look at me, I have an amazing voice. That's <laughs> That's a good idea. Now I'm going to start stalking all of the writer events yeah. and just, <laughs> just leaving my business cards around and yeah. you know, <laughs> trying to get a ton of work. And I have to say, too, I have listened to quite a few audiobooks where I wasn't super pleased with the voice that was narrating it. And so I don't know. I think... <laughs> And I've, you know, I've heard a lot of your commercials and I think you have a super pleasing voice, if you will. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that would, that would be a great market. I'm not sure. I don't know. I feel like there's a few voices on, maybe it's the, the girly audio books that I'm listening to. I'm not sure, but I hear some of the same voices and I'm like, I'll roll my eyes like, oh no, not her voice again. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was going to say, that was actually a question that I had. Like, do you think everybody has a voice that could be good enough with training to do voiceover work? Or are there some voices that are just so terrible, those people <laughs> should never try? Oh, gosh, I wouldn't put it that way. <laughs> so that that's a question that I love a lot because a lot of people will think that because they have been told they have a great voice that they could naturally get into voiceover. But there's so much more to it than having a good voice. And if you think about it, I like to talk about people like Morgan Freeman and James Earl Jones and these people who have iconic voices. Well, they have great voices, but they're also great actors. And that's really the most important thing is that you're able to communicate a message and connect with the audience because that's the main point. And if you think about commercials that you hear today, the majority of them are the girl next door sound or the, the everyday mom sound. And that's kind of what is selling these days. So 
I would say that if you can talk, <laughs> there's probably a role that you could play in the voiceover industry. I'm not going to say that hands down. There might be someone out there who has a voice that just, like you said, maybe just should find something else to do. But for the most part, you know, if you can connect with someone you know, if there's a certain thing that you're interested in and you're able to connect with that audience, then there's a good chance that there is at least a role or two out there that you could play. And then the other thing I like to say is that not everyone can play the main character. You know, not everyone is meant to be the Batman. Some of us have to be the Robin, you know, or the, the bad guy who kind of talks funny. So, you know, there are people who have really, you know, I don't know, nasally voices, but they get cast for that type of role. And, you know, we have to have those, too. If all of us sounded like James Earl Jones, then, you know, how boring would that be? It kind of reminds me in the acting world of, like, a Steve Buscemi. Is that his name with the yeah. googly eyes? Yes. yes. I mean, <laughs> he's such a character role, but he gets tons of work because, I mean, he's good at what he does, but he's never going to be a lead. He's never going to be, yeah, you know, the handsome star. Right. But, but there's a, a spot for him. So, exactly. or Danny DeVito, who's oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, very sh- short for a man. So, so in voiceover, I guess it's the same. And they're both very successful. And they're probably people that you would look at and say, no, you really should not get into show business. That's not the thing for you. But they were able to find a niche and own it. Right. Yeah. So, are you using a a voice for us on the interview, or is this your 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 standard voice for this the is my podcast? normal my normal voice that I'm using for you right now? <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean the majority of the work that I do, like I said, is at least really close to just right here what I do. So okay. trying to think, I did some e-learning stuff just the other day, and it's you know it's just kind of a more corporate version of this, but it's more or less my same normal voice. So yeah, there okay. you go. I have to ask, though, Carrie, can you do a few of your other voices for us? It would just be so fun to hear them. Okay. <laughs> I always I hate being put on the spot, but... Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> so I have a spot on my demo reel that's a teen, and she sounds kind of like this, and she says, um, let's see. Let me try to remember the line. Over 100 characters come on every Dream Tab. Let's learn, play, create, and explore. Dream Tab. So, <laughs> yeah. See. And that's probably not quite right, because I usually spend a little bit of time trying to get into that character. So I don't know how well I was able to do that on the spot, but there's that. Oh, it sounded awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'll probably listen back to it and think, oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> not at all how it should sound, but... And then there's there's like a really fast-talking know-it-all mom that I kind of like to do, and she's just kind of like this, and she knows exactly how much calcium you should be drinking every day, and and, and that's kind of how she talks. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, we've all got friends like that. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, very fun. Well, Carrie, this has been tons of fun. We always like to conclude with maybe a funny or adorable mom moment that you've had. Yeah. So this past summer, we traveled around the, the country in a travel trailer, and I was able to do my voiceover work on the road. And my husband's a writer, so he was able to do what he does also. And it was actually, we had written a book, and we were on a book tour. But anyway, we 
we ended up going to my husband's parents' house, so my in-laws, and they watch my little niece a lot, and uh, well, niece and nephew. And so anyway, my father-in-law had set up a little recording booth for me in one of the closets. And so I was back there doing work and my little niece wandered back eventually and was wondering what I was doing. And she got really interested. And so what I did was I set her up and we were, we did kind of a little radio show together and it was just an improv thing. She's eight years old now. She was seven at the time and it was just a whole lot of fun. And it was called Veronica and the Space King or something like that. <laughs> something crazy. <laughs> Dr. Evil, Veronica, and the Space King. And so eventually my little nephew got involved too. So it's the three of us back there just improving and, and recording it. Sounded great. And then my little daughter, who is one, she got to come in too. And so we created a character for her called the Minion. And <laughs> <laughs> of course, like, she's not taking direction or anything, but anytime that she would just kind of make a little goo goo or some sort of sound, we would build that into the show. And so it was a lot of fun that, you know, the, the four of us were able to do. And eventually my husband got involved too. He became a character. I think his name was Fruton or something silly, Um, (laughs) but it was a great time for us to use voiceover as something that all of us got to come together and do as a family. So it was me and niece, nephew, husband, and our little daughter creating these little radio shows. And so that was fun. But on a On another note, my little niece actually got so interested that I had her start doing a couple auditions, and she actually got a $200 job to do a a commercial. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) so it turned into something that she's actually into now, and she's got her own little microphone, and she, she auditions every once in a while. So fun time, mom moment, aunt moment, and just a cool moment for her to get to use voiceover and acting and actually make a little bit of money. That is really awesome. I know my eight-year-old would be ecstatic if she got $200 for anything. That would be like the biggest payday ever to get $200. That's exciting. What a fun what a fun way to use your skills with your whole family. I really like that. Yeah, it was cool, and, and I'm sure we'll get to do it more when you know we're going back for Christmas. So if I have work, I'll set up the, the booth again, and it'll just be something fun that we get to do together that – you know, it's not every, it's not a normal thing that kids get to do all the time. So yeah, it's just a really fun time. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for chatting with us today. This, I think this has been my most interesting interview for sure. And before we wrap up, where is the best place for everybody to find you online? My website is carrieolsonvo.com. Uh, VO is in voiceover. So C-A-R-R-I-E. O-L-S-E-N-V-O dot com. And you can listen to my demos there. You can sign up for my newsletter. I have uh, little resources that I send out every once in a while for people who are interested in getting into voiceover. And actually, when you sign up for my newsletter, you get my free getting started guide. So it's a, I think, 20 page or so ebook on on how to get started in voiceover if you're interested. That is awesome. I'm sure we will have lots of women that are interested in checking out that get getting started guide. It it just sounds so fun. I know no rose tinted glasses, but it just (laughs) does sound like so much fun. So thank you once again. It was it was great to hear all about this interesting line of work. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be able to be here and, and talk to you and all of your listeners. You can find the show notes at brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash one two three. I wanted to let you all know that Bethian and I just recently launched 
a Brilliant Business Moms Shopify store. We were finding that having separate landing pages for our different products was a little bit cumbersome. And so we decided to just go ahead and get a Shopify store so that all of our products can be found in one location. The Shopify store can be found at brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash shop. And we'll have our 2016 Brilliant Business Planner there in both the spiral bound and unbound versions. Our Time Management Mama book is located in that shop as well as the Get Found Guide to Etsy is in the shop as well. And we will also be adding more products slowly as we go along to the Brilliant Business Moms Shopify store, products from us to help you along your brilliant business journey, but also products from other Brilliant Business Moms, products that you might find helpful or useful or beautiful as you create your business and grow your business. So once again, that's brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash shop. We really appreciate that you're tuning in to our podcast each week, that you're participating in our private Facebook group, and that you're a part of the Brilliant Business Moms community. So thank you so much. I hope you're having a great week. Now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant.